Aussies are relocating from capital cities to regional Australia in record numbers. We could give you all the stats about better house prices, all the jobs on offer and higher levels of happiness, but what's better than hearing from someone who's made the move themselves? Welcome to You Moved Where, the podcast where we interview everyday Aussies who have moved from the city to the country. I'm your host, Beck Bignall, a girl from regional Australia who moved to the city and then, you guessed it, back to regional Australia. This is You Moved Where. <laughs> Gen Zs often get a bad rap, known for their weak work ethic, laziness, short attention span and an addiction to their phones. But in the case of Ellie Bigwood, this couldn't be more wrong. The born and bred country girl with a big, bright personality always wondered what life was like beyond her backyard. And when she was selected to participate in the Australian Wool Innovations Graduate Training Program, she was given an opportunity to explore the wide world. Plucked from Franklin River, a town of 400 people, and dropped into city life where 400 residents lived in her apartment block alone, the adventure thrust Ellie into new experiences all over the globe. Ellie was living life large in a fast-paced city life, but when COVID abruptly halted the globetrotting, Ellie headed back to her home state of WA, forced to shift gears and go from densely crowded places back to sparse and open spaces. Ellie was reminded of what she loved about regional life and plunged even further off the grid by making a move to the Pilbara in WA's far north. Despite being in her 20s, Ellie couldn't be happier crocheting, crafting and potting succulents back in a little town where her big plans are every bit as possible as they were in the city. Ellie Bigwood proves that there's a hell of a lot we can learn from our youth. (laughs) Ellie Bigwood, you moved where? I moved from Sydney to the Pilbara region of Western Australia. And you grew up in Franklin River in the Great Southern region of WA, which as a fellow Great Southern region girl, I'm (laughs) very biased about. (laughs) Tell me what the experience was like growing up there. Yeah, so obviously started in the west, moved east and have moved back to the west in a little simple bubble there. But I loved the upbringing in the country, Beck, as you will have had so many fond memories about as well. But it's just, it's very wholesome. You know, you grow, you eat your own food. You're surrounded by this community of people who know you from the day that you're born, care about you until you leave and go to wherever across the world, there's there's always this connection um, with a small town community and growing up on a farm. Um, and yeah, once you've once you've left the farm and gone and seen other places, you look back in it and you're like, wow, most people don't get an upbringing like that. So I'm very, very fortunate to have been raised that way. And then you go from that small community into a much larger community when you go to Perth for high school, given there's no high school sort of close to the region. Um, What was the adjustment like going from Franklin River to Perth, a big city? Yeah, I've gone from in grade seven, in year seven at primary school, there was six people in my year, which will be a lot for some tiny towns, but it won't be much for others. And then I've gone to 170 in year eight. So big, big adjustment, but I also loved it. Like I'm extroverted person. I love meeting new people and being surrounded by 
lots of different characters and I loved the change of scenery and the new opportunities that came with boarding school. Was it overwhelming sort of when you, you know, got into that city environment and you had gone from being such a small fish, I suppose, into this huge pond? Was it intimidating or how did you sort of, you know, embrace that transition? I wasn't intimidated, but it was a little bit overwhelming because Franklin's a community, Franklin River is a community of, I guess, 400 people. And then we've obviously got other towns that are a little bit bigger. So, you know, um, you know, a lot of people in the community back home and then you go to a city and yes, we still say that it's a small world, but in Perth, like that's your first introduction to, oh, the world's actually not so small as I thought it was. Um, a lot of these people aren't connected to the way that I grew up and aren't really interested necessarily in where their food comes from or, you know, things that were just bread and butter to us are very different to um, young girls or young people that have grown up in the city. So I guess it, yeah, it, I was, yeah, I wouldn't have been intimidated, but it's just very different, Beck, um, which is a good thing, you know, when you go into an environment that's different and out of your comfort zone. That's when you grow. So I really grew to love boarding school. So your mum alerts you to the Australian Wool Innovations inaugural graduate training program, which looks like a good opportunity to you. So you took a punt, you applied, of course they picked you, and it took you from WA to Sydney. What was that transition like for you? The move to Sydney, I didn't necessarily think I wanted to live in another city at the time. Um, I probably more thought I would go somewhere remote or I guess like a regional city like, you know, Wagga Wagga, Toowoomba or so- somewhere like that. But Sydney was really, really fun. Um, yeah, so it was an 18-month training program where essentially we worked three-month rotations through each aspect of AWI's department. So I spent three months in, I guess, the research and development team three months in like the, a wool grower services team, which essentially provides like hands-on workshops and deliverable outcomes to wool growers face-to-face um, events, things like that, all the way through to their product development, their marketing sections in Australia and abroad. And it, it included, that 18 months included six months abroad between, so three months between Shanghai and Hong Kong where they had global offices. and in London, another three months in London as well. So you can imagine the move to Sydney was exciting, but knowing that London, Shanghai and Hong Kong were on the cards was very exciting for a person who's already like very excited, (laughs) like overflowing at this point. (laughs) And what were, tell me when you were in Shanghai, London and Hong Kong in those huge cities, what were some of the things that you really embraced or enjoyed or found challenging? In regional WA, well, even Western Australia and Australia as a whole, you know, we're always like, oh, you know, the first thing you do when you meet someone new is try and establish a connection with them. Oh, where are you from? Oh, from Franklin. Oh, do you know the big woods? Oh, yes. And it's such a, oh, it's a small world. And that's the first thing you say to someone. In Shanghai, I threw that so far out the window. It was, it is not a small world at all. Gone from, I guess, my hometown of 400 people in the community 
still 400 people in my building in Shanghai. And it, yeah, it was, it was just so different. Um, but yeah, like when you, when you know the least, you learn the most. There's so many, I guess I'd say unknowns about, um, I guess about China. A lot of people, well, I, other than my university mates who we went on a tour together with at university, I don't know a lot of family or friends that have actually been to China um, for a for a holiday or to experience the culture. And my experience there was nothing short of extraordinary. It was so good. I absolutely loved it. Um, the people were amazing, like just so hospitable, like to the point where my colleagues over there and friends would literally like hold my hand crossing the road to make sure I was safe and like cared for and I remember I had my birthday in the Shanghai office and all the staff there, we just contributed to pay for like a chef to um, cook us lunches and stuff. And on my birthday, he took me aside and was like, said to me in Chinese and my Mandarin's got really sloppy, but today we'll be making chops, which means dumplings in Chinese. And so we had this day making dumplings and he was from the northern parts of China, so very strong accent. And at the end of it, I'd say, oh, these are hao chu, which means good taste. And he'd be like, no, hao chu. And it was just, you know, it was just a brilliant, brilliant experience. Um, the cultural aspect of it in Shanghai, there's just so much history there and so many things about, I guess, China and greater parts of Asia, which I don't think enough people in Australia know about. So I loved it, Beck. Um, yeah, I I just have so many fond memories. So you've been living the city life in Australia and overseas now. You've got used to all of these things like busy roads and new culinary experiences and lots of people. But then COVID hits and you leave the big smoke behind and head back to the bush. Can you talk me through this moment? Again, not planned. Um, it. Yeah, and I came back with one suitcase in March 2020 to I thought, oh, I don't want to deal with this global pandemic that sounds sounds a little bit foreign to me. I might just fly back home to one of the most regional remote parts of the world and go back to the farm in Franklin River and get to know my parents again and, you know, just um, work were really good in saying that, yes, you can go back and work remotely from there. So, look, I, yeah, I honestly came back with one suitcase thinking I'd be there for three months and that this whole COVID thing, this huh, silly little blow over. And by October, I was thinking, this was looking rather permanent. And I'd also, during that time of sort of six, six months or so that I'd been working remotely back in WA, we were in a position in Western Australia where, we were still able to have events and we didn't have restrictions as much as they were experiencing on the East Coast and on, in other parts of Australia. So I was able to go out to events and be with wool growers and, um, you know, see people, interact. And that's sort of where I thought, actually, there's a lot of work to be done here and this could really be a good catalyst to, I guess, advocate to have a person here full time and I can do it. Like I, I know a lot of these people and, you know, everyone loves a person that's 
understands where they're from and just having that, I guess, mutual respect. But yeah, just, I guess that, that connection that we're, we're from Western Australia and having a WA person based in regional WA to do that job worked really well. So, so yeah, um, towards, I guess, October, November, I started of 2020, I started thinking about basing myself out of WA full time. And then at, in February, I moved to Narragin and worked there with AWI out of their local um, DPIRT office, which was great fun, and worked out of there for 12 months. So, yeah, really, really fond memories there. The Narragin community was amazing with sporting clubs and, yeah, just such a fun, vibrant group of people of all ages. Absolutely loved it. You've gone back into this regional community where things are obviously a bit smaller again. And then you decide to go even smaller by <laughs> heading up to the Pilbara region in northern WA. What made you want to go ahead and make that move? Yeah, I've gone from like a, I really went from a city of 26 million in Shanghai to like a population of six people <laughs> in, in Pardue. Um I guess there were a few things I felt with with my job in Narragin, I guess I'd I missed having a team of people around me like I had when I was living in Sydney. Loved working remotely, but I just felt as though to step up and grow, I needed to have a team of people around me and like some good uh, mentors and leaders nearby. And so I was ready for a, a change in that regard and also had picked up my lovely partner and he was based, he was actually based in the Pilbara already. So at that point, I still, I still wanted to work in agriculture. And yeah, I found a job as a health and safety environment, so HSE coordinator based in Pardue um, on a, I guess, a Wagyu beef enterprise. There's yeah, so a Pardue is about 120, 160 kilometers east of Port Hedland. And yeah, based myself there for 12 months. So again, I've kind of gone one extreme to the other. But I think part of the reason why I sort of came back to Narragin, well, Franklin and then Narragin, and never looked back to the city was I'm a country girl at heart. I loved the hustle and bustle. And for, I guess, for a period, but I've missed the things that make a community, a community. So having your sporting clubs where, like in Narragin, where we train with the girls for hockey training twice a week, play a game on the weekend, and you've just got this bond, which is, you know, unlike sort of any other friendship, you train together, sweat together. It's fantastic. Um, And I guess that sense, even more so in Pardue and on a station, I just really enjoyed not having to be anywhere on a weekend and being able to cultivate succulents in my backyard and grow veggies and, you know, crochet things because a lot of people tell me I'm a granny. I'm very mature for my age. But, you know, like I'm just, I've just, through COVID and things, had the time and space to actually explore different crafts and other things that I like doing. Um, and, yeah, Pardu really provided that. Being on a station, I guess, allowed that no obligation factor, you had 
more freedom on your time off to explore the coast, stay home. And I really enjoyed that slower paced lifestyle, which also made you realise that there's a lot of things that you can live without. So people often make an assumption that, you know, regional life is the same across the board, you know, that it's going to be kind of a similar experience if you're living in Wagga Wagga or if you're living in Kojana. But as you just described within, you know, international um, countries, there is nuance across all of the different regions. So what's the difference between regional living and then really remote living on a station? Having a good station community is really the key, I think, to really enjoying it. And, you know, the first the first half of my um, experience there, like obviously some of our key families moved on, which changed the dynamic and that's, that's just the way of life in the north. Um, but, you know, we had some really beautiful families there, a lot of like young kids running around. We had some, um, we had some coconut palms there so our chef would, climb up these trees and I'd be holding the ladder very securely because health and safety is important, right? And, you know, we'd cut down these coconuts and have fresh coconut water with, like, it's just, there were just so many things that made it really special and unique and I loved that. So it was a, it was a change again, a new experience again and everything up until this point, whether it's been on the station or in a regional town or in China, in Perth, Sydney has just, every time it just leads me to write, what do, what do I like? What do I feel like I want more of? And what am I going to do next? I think that's a really great way of looking at the, you know, vast spectrum of experiences that you've been through, that you can cherry pick the things that you really enjoy and then look to build them into your next experience, even if it's completely different. Can you tell me one thing that delighted you about living on a station that you didn't expect? I just I just grew so much confidence in myself because I was around people that when I started there, they had more confidence in me than I had in me. And over time, just, just these really incredible leaders fostering conversation, asking for my feedback on things, um, how I would do things, you know, they didn't. They didn't necessarily always take my suggestions on board or someone else's suggestions on board, but I think the point was was that everyone could have a say at the table. And and from that, yeah, my confidence just really grew. And I think, yeah, one one year on the station, I, I cannot quantify the amount of experience that I've gained from it. You're a young person with so much passion and a lot of wisdom because you have had so many different career experiences. What advice do you have for older generations about how we might be able to better connect with and involve the young, younger generations coming through, especially, you know, taking note of the different perspectives and experiences that you've had? I would just say that empathy is probably the key to where I've got to today and obviously I still have so much to learn about and grow on. But empathy, just listening to the perspective of another person, by all means, a lot of the time people with a lot of years of experience are going to have great ideas to bring to the table. And 
I guess I'm not saying that you should always just do what a younger person says, but every voice at the table deserves to be heard. Everyone can just bring such a different perspective and like a different solution to an idea. And I think the more that the older generation can lean into that and just just ask questions, just be like, this is what I think. Like, what do you think? Or even better, ask for a younger person's view first and actually encourage encourage them to talk. I do see, particularly in young, some younger women, that they're hesitant to bring forward their idea, even if they've got actually a good idea going, but they don't have as much confidence to um, let someone else know what they're thinking. You know, we want to, we want those people. We want to encourage them, those young men and women who are like more timid. We want them to encourage to have to encourage them to have their voice at the table. And I think that's the best thing that you can do. One, because you're going to hear new perspectives and ideas through a new lens that you may not have thought of. Um, but also, you're going to build rapport with those people and trust with those people. And do you have some advice or tips to offer young people about why living regionally or remotely is a good opportunity for young people? Yes, I certainly do. In the regions, particularly out here in the Pilbara, by pure default that there's less people out in these parts, in my experience, that has just led to being able to get into leadership positions and experience career growth at a faster faster rate because down in the cities like anywhere across Australia obviously there's pros and cons to everywhere that you live I guess in the regional areas you're not saturated by so many people who are living in the city you're not competing with the same hundreds of thousands of people that have worked as an accountant or are working as a physio or as nurses in the city and they always want to base themselves in Perth. But if you go regionally, there's less people there and there's more opportunity for you as a young person to get into leadership positions and I guess grow your skill set faster. Of course, you've got to come with a winning attitude. Um, I guess confidence is always good, but Getting your foot in the door is a great start. Use all the tools that you have. LinkedIn is great. Online platforms like that work functions. Just get out, say hi, and ask people, ask other people a lot of questions. People love talking about themselves, which is what I've been doing for the last however long. It's been great. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me quickly, what did you give up and what did you gain about moving back to regional Australia? I gave up barista coffee um, and being able to go out to brunches whenever I felt like on the weekend and going dancing on this particular night and and whatnot. But being back in the bush and particularly living on a station, it's really humbling because it makes you realise that there are so many things that you can live without, like going and get a co- getting a coffee in the morning. It's a privilege, like being able to go out for breakfast, have a good hair hairdresser nearby. Like these are privileges. Like we live in such an amazing world where, like amazing country where we just we take these things for granted. And there's so many parts of the world which which don't have these, which don't have these things. Um, but when you're living in a city, because they're always there around you, 
you forget to be grateful for them or you, yeah, you, you forget that not everyone has access to it and it's just becomes a part of life. But yeah, being away from it all, it gives you a really healthy perspective and just remind, it's a really good reminder of the things that you can live without and how we should really be grateful for all these outlets, whether it's coffee, whether it's a sporting club um, around us that many other places in the world don't have. Absolutely. And it's sort of that beauty in the simplicity, isn't it? It reminds you to kind of enjoy things like nature and the things you mentioned earlier, like craft activities where you get that buzz from making something with your hands and and that sort of, you know, pleasure that you can get that is just totally different, but just as fulfilling. Yeah. And if not, more so because I guess city life, a lot of a lot of the things when you're going out for breakfast, dinners, coffees, it's just a few examples, shopping in big shopping centres, a lot of it is directly linked to spending money. But, you know, working on your backyard, doing DIY, um, growing things, getting your hands dirty, making things, it's, it, it's a different kind of satisfaction well for me anyway it's it's really really rewarding and creating the space to do that or being in an environment like a station where that's or in the regions where I really honed into that and now it's just become a part of who I am and I I wouldn't change it for anything I love my set of crochet hooks (laughs) (laughs) you know like if I'd been in Sydney in Sydney or in a city the whole time. It's probably an aspect of my character that I would never have really lent into. So Ellie, imagine that you're in a boardroom of execs, which you've, you know, experienced many times over, and you have to pitch to them why you think moving to regional Australia is the best idea. Can you give me your elevator pitch? Beck, people of the boardroom, thanks for your time this afternoon. Why people should move to regional Australia, I have a preference, you can call me biased, but I believe that there is so much that can be offered from a regional lifestyle. Whether you go and join a local sporting club or whether you're living on the coast in Australia's northwest and you can go out boating on the weekend and explore the beaches or if you're in the Kimberley and can go and see the gorges or wherever you are in Australia, the regions offer so many hidden gems and little places which aren't on a map, there, there's less people there and you just, it's exploring Australia, the, the country in which you live in such a, I guess in a more intimate way, like get get to know your backyard better, be in touch with this beautiful country that we call home and enjoy the offerings of career acceleration but also a really nice lifestyle that offers adventure and it's beautiful out there. You've got me. We're, they're all running out of the boardroom to book their their flight to the Pilbara to come Ellie. <laughs> that is brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ellie. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Your perspective is so fresh. And I think your voice is just such an important one to make sure that we've got at the table, as is that of other young people in the regions. And it's just been a delight to have this chat. So thank you very much for sharing your story. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Beck. You Moved Where is made on the land of the Kenyang people, with Ellie Bigwood joining us from the land of the Nyalama people. 
We would like to acknowledge the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the traditional custodians of the land and pay respects to Elders past and present. This episode was produced by Grace Fruvray and hosted by me, Beck Bignall. Make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts because on next week's episode, you'll hear stories like this. And then all of a sudden realising that the flood was going so high that there were no street signs anymore. So then it was GPS coordinates. Can anyone get to this location? I can't get a hold of my family. The stories uh, of, of heroes that came out in boats and kayaks and rescued all those people, a lot, uh, many more should have died than what did. And it's due to the local community that that didn't happen. You Moved Where is brought to you by www.movetomore.com.au and the Regional Australia Institute. Move to More is supported by the Australian Federal Government and if you head to www.movetomore.com.au, you can search almost 2,000 regional towns and cities to find your favourite regional destination and in the same place, find your dream home and job. <laughs>